today we're diving into a topic that often is overlooked but absolutely crucial, the art of listening. Join me for this conversation is Graham Bodie, an expert in the field of listening. We're pulling back the curtain on why listening skills aren't getting the spotlight they deserve in education. Graham will walk us through the landscape of his research, unveiling his hidden gems and the gaps in our understanding of listening. But this isn't a theoretical discussion. You'll learn strategies that anyone can use to improve their listening skills, especially when it comes to children. Get ready to reshape your mindset and ignite that curiosity within, because after this conversation, you'll see the world of listening in a whole new light. So let's open our eyes and our minds, because today we unlock the power of listening. Welcome to Everything Why. I'm your host, Mike Martin. Join me as we uncover the essence behind every aspect of life. Because in everything, there's always a why waiting to be explored. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and support our mission at MissEmmasRetreat.com. When I was working at Gallery Furniture, Mattress Mac, uh, one of the great things about working with him is he's always educating us, having great speakers come in and talk to us and not only make us great salespeople, make us better people, period. So I worked with Mac for a number of years and the one of the top things I liked about there was the people we got to meet and who were ed- we were educated by. And one of those guys was Graham Bodie, who uh, Mac told us that he was going to bring him in and we were going to have to go through a big, long college level course type thing uh, on listening. And to be honest with you, I didn't know what to think about that, listening and and Mac and all that. Uh, I knew it was going to be something tough because that's just the way we operated at Guy Furniture. But Graham came in and I am telling you, the first day I met him, my eyes were opened up to one of the biggest issues I think we have in our uh, in our society, and it's listening, and we don't listen. And so without any further ado, I would like to introduce Graham Bodie. Hello, Graham. How are you, sir? And I'm doing well. Thanks, uh, Mike, for the invitation, for bringing me down a little bit of memory lane, and uh, for, the, for the introduction. And in fact, I don't know if people, because they're listening, they can't see, but behind me on the wall is the article that actually... Started it all. The reason that Matt called me in the first place was because some of my research was featured in the Wall Street Journal uh, over a decade ago, um, and um, so I, I like to, to I, I like that framed on my wall to be able to remind me of of that uh, that journey with Gallery and, and other organizations that I started consulting inside of those organizations uh, over a decade ago, sort of bringing the scholarship, the science of listening to. Uh, to practice where it matters most. You know, Matt gave us a little bit of a heads up about where you came from, but how about you tell us, were you always into listening or where did you come across that we didn't listen or that you were a better listener? How did that all come up? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I was um, doing a master's degree at Auburn University and was in a classroom and the professor who was a former president of the International Listening Association, and at the time she was the current editor of the International Journal of Listening, uh, she said that she had a project and were any students interested in working on that project. And what that project actually was, um, was the, um, uh, what you mentioned in, in gallery, one of the program, one of the systems that I used to, to teach the um, 30 Keys to Effective Listening was a software platform called Concept Keys. 
Uh, and so the project was actually to build out the um, theoretical framework for why that particular mechanism um, was advantageous, why people could learn a complex uh, phenomenon or skill like listening if you broke it down into uh, chunks of information. So, so in any event, I got interested in um, adult learning as well as in teaching people um, what oftentimes is thought to be easy or something that should come naturally. You know, we all communicate every day. We um, have been communicating and listening our whole lives. Uh, you know, why, why should we have to, you know, have training in this, right? Um, and uh, we'll come to find out uh, just because you do something or you think you do something doesn't necessarily mean that you do it well. Uh, and um, so to bring the uh, scholarship of, of something that on the surface appears simple, but when you dive down into it, it's inherently complex and difficult. Um, it's um, difficult both to understand at a conceptual level as well as difficult to enact in a, in a, at a personal level. Um, I like to say that listening is, is an art, um, is something that um, you don't do well. And once you think you have it figured out with one person, you have to completely shift gears in how you listen to another person or in another situation. Um, and, and that there isn't one way that we ought to be listening to every person in every situation, um, and that there are different ways or modes or styles or preferences that you ought to bring to bear when you're listening to different people in different circumstances. The fact that you know we all unquestionably you know nod our heads in agreement when people say we don't see the world through uh, objective eyes, but it's also true that we don't hear the world through objective ears, that we process information, whether through sight or through sound, um, in ways that are basically built on how we were raised um, from, from, you know, from the time that we were born to today. My brain is not the same as your brain, is not the same as anybody else's brain. And so if no two brains are the same, then no two listeners are the same kind of so anyway, those kinds of things just really intrigued me. And then teaching people that this is true and then teaching people some strategies to overcome the barriers to effective communication just became a passion of mine early on in that classroom in Auburn um, in 2001. Uh, and then I went on to Purdue to get my Ph.D., and studied under somebody who was an expert in social support or how we listen or oftentimes fail to listen effectively to our friends and family members when they're distressed and what are the mechanisms that disallow us from really being present and mindful and sort of there for the people that we're supposed to be there for uh, and what are, the, what are the barriers to that kind of communication so spent 
four years studying effective listening in that context. Well, awesome. Again, I was moved. I was, when I met you and you went through your program, uh, God, I think it was for two and a half years that we did it and that we uh, were in your classes and taking your tests. But uh, it really, it was very, very valuable for me. But as children, are our brains even capable of understanding how to, to listen properly? I mean, can we do that? I don't ever remember being taught to listen. So, Yeah, I mean, you're opening up a whole can of worms there. And just in terms of what do you mean when you say can, can kids, can babies listen? Um, so, you know, babies, um, you know, come into the world pre-programmed with the uh, ability to learn um, language, for instance, right? And the primary way that they learn that language is through listening to or hearing the, the language spoken. Um, so, you know, there's um, no reason, there, there, there's a perfectly good reason that I, um, that I hear and I speak a particular version of American English, right? Is because I was raised in a household that spoke uh, American English. Had I been raised in a household that spoke Spanish or Chinese or Korean or some other language, I would be able to discern all of the different phonemes and, and sounds of those languages that I was exposed to. So, you know, we used to think, you know, pre, I don't know, 1980s, 1990s, that that uh, it was more likely that, that, that babies uh, were blank slates, that our minds were blank slates um, you know, and that's just not true. We're actually, we come out of the womb uh, kind of pre-programmed with a set of expectations um, that uh, cause us to hear and see and learn. And at the same time, our brain is very malleable and flexible in, insofar as that based on what we are exposed to visually and auditorily, our brains, um, you know, form, which means uh, even if you are identical twins, you're going to have some idiosyncrasies in the ways in which you view the world, that you see the world, and the ways in which you hear the world, the ways in which you listen to the world, because your two environments are not the same. They're not exactly the same. Now, they're very similar, but they're not exactly the same. So, you know, my, my 12-year-old daughter has a, a twin friends you know, one of whom is is a dancer, theater sort of performer. The other of whom is a soccer player, athlete. You know, they're they're genetically you know identical, and yet their different experiences through life, and maybe a little bit of temperamental and personality differences with hormonal you know exposure or whatever has caused them to be you know different people. Very similar with, with our ears, right? So uh, as we are socialized through. You know, thinking about when you were in kindergarten and your teacher said, turn on your listening ears, you know, crisscross applesauce, um, and, and they uh, either chided children for, quote unquote, not listening, or they praised other children for listening well. It was primarily because those children were obeying, right? So we get a sense very early on that listening to listen well is to obey, is to follow instructions, is to wash your hands when you're told to, to sit in the proper chair, you know, when you're told to. And then as we matriculate through school, we're kind of instructed that good listening is 
comprehending and learning and memorizing things and and in and, and an American classroom sitting still and doing what you're told right um, and and then of course you get into the workplace and that all goes out the window because those aren't necessarily the things that you ought to be doing uh, as a listener and and certainly as you um, you know alluded to um, whether you become a politician or a business person or a professor or a podcaster or whatever your occupation is, um, you, you have to then learn and relearn how to be a particular kind of listener. And the problem, of course, is most of us don't think that we ought to be taking classes uh, or reading books on how to be a particular kind of listener because we don't really get any schooling from an early age on, you know, through even college. There are very few even universities and colleges that offer courses on listening. Um, it's a very rare situation where you have a course that is even offered. And then, of course, uh, to be required, there, there's, there's in, in my, my understanding, there's only a handful of colleges or universities that have a required listening course uh, in their curriculum. So um, we, we prioritize in the society speaking, the person who can speak the fastest, who can have the best language, the best words, the, you know, the most interesting, you know, elevator pitch. That's the person that we hold up as the best, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, and yet what research suggests is, is that the better salespeople, for instance, are the ones who listen more effectively as opposed to those who can simply rattle off their sales pitch. So we've got a little backwards. I think we teach people to speak. We don't necessarily pay the, the same attention to, to listening skills. So chances are in colleges and universities, you have a required public speaking class, but you don't have a required listening class. And I, I think that uh, does a disservice uh, to, to students. And, and clearly in, in high school and even in grade school, there again, there aren't classes that teach you these um, kinds of interpersonal skills, unfortunately. Um, and so, yeah, what, what some have called uh, listening as, is the Cinderella skill. Um, you know, we, we don't pay a lot of attention to it. And yet when you ask people, um, you know, how important it is to their job or their success, you know, oh, yeah, 100 percent. It's really important. It's like, well, how much time do you spend right, thinking about how you listen? It's like, oh, well, I don't spend a lot of time. Right. We have a phrase in our language, think before you speak. We don't have the same phrase, think before you listen. So there's all kinds of, of reasons why we don't, um, yeah, we, we have, we have, there's a whole lot of, you know, there's a whole lot of reasons why we don't um, uh, focus our attention on, on listening. But uh, those are just a few uh, examples that, um, that illustrate how sort of, you know, how much of a dearth there is in terms of, of, um, schooling and, and instruction on on listening compared to uh, compared to speaking. When I talk to my kids now uh, from going through your courses, is when they answer right away. If I'm talking to them and they have an answer before I'm even finished, that's a red flag that we're not listening. And I and I <laughs> I do that too. And that's you know again, if we could come away with anything on this podcast, it's just to be aware to think about if you're listening or not, right? And again, it's it's hard to get the mind to do things that we want it to do, but with practice, you can, and that's what you said. Uh, we need to practice listening. Uh, but when we're 
when people are talking to us and we're responding in our heads with the answers we're going to give, are we listening? Or are we not listening? Yeah, the, there's a there's an interesting uh, study uh, that that shows that your that the speaking part of your brain lights up like a half a second before the person is finished speaking. So there's there's neurological evidence that physiological evidence that we are primed to begin speaking before we are even finished listening, right? Um, now, I, I don't, I don't, I, I want to, you know, I don't want to quibble, but I think, you know, it, listening is not something that you do or you don't do. It's not a dichotomy. It's not a yes or a no, right? Um, it, it's, it's also, I think, the wrong question to ask Am I a good listener or am I a bad listener? Um, I like to I like to tell people that the question we ought to be asking instead is: Are my listening habits, the ways I habitually listen, are they helping me or hindering me in this moment? That's the question we ought to be asking. So, are the ways in which I tend to listen helping me or hurting me? with this particular person in this particular situation, right? Uh, if you remember back to some of the you know, keys to effective listening that we, that we taught uh, at Gallery, one of them was about interrupting. Um, and you know, I like to say interrupting is a sometimes behavior. Sometimes it's okay to interrupt. Uh, if, if you're lost and it's important that you not be lost in that conversation. It's okay to interrupt a person to, you know, to apologize. I'm sorry, I didn't give you my full attention. Uh, I want to make sure that I get this because it's important. Can you start over, right? Um, and so there's there are very few behaviors that you should never do. There are very few behaviors you should always do. Uh, list, l- good listening, quality listening is contextual. It depends on who you're talking to, who you're listening to. Uh, it depends on the the situation, uh, you know, the time of day, the you know, whatever. All all the different variables, uh, you know, play into this. Um, but but yeah, so I think it's it's shifting our mentality around listening doesn't either occur or not occur. It it's graded, right? So you can grade yourself on an A to an F or a zero to a hundred or whatever scale you want uh, to use, and you can say in that moment was I my best listening self? Or were there areas I could be improving? And if so, what are those and how can I do better next time? Yeah, no, that's, yeah. again, it all comes down to really being aware with yourself at all times, not only when you're speaking, where you are in your mind, uh, racing or not, uh, but also when you're listening. Because again, a lot of times when people say some things, your emotions get in and your body starts changing the feelings inside of it. And that adjusts your listening um, if you're hearing or not, or if you're responding uh, in a you know, anger or whatever, but also interesting. But how about when we get into conversations with somebody with all the, the political stuff that's going on right now, which again, we're just talking past each other right now. That's all I see. And so when you go into conversations, how do you deal with that? How do we recognize that everybody's listening different, but yet we have to talk about things that everybody's super passionate about? So is there something that you can do before a conversation or not? Would we have these conversations about what's going on in Palestine or anywhere? Uh, How do we start off conversations when there's a block of listening, I think? 
Yeah, it starts with mindset or um, or attitude, right? Uh, and and if you're particularly if you're going into a situation where there is a likely difference of opinion, difference of attitude, you know, different, uh, you know, value or whatever, uh, it's it's going in that conversation with the mindset of curiosity, right? Um, well, what there any of these um, models of effective conversation across difference has what are called guideposts or or a conversational agreements. One of my favorite reads, um, Turn to Wonder. When you find yourself emotionally charged or otherwise sort of reactive in the moment, turn to wonder. Ask yourself, I, I wonder what brought this person to this belief. I wonder what life circumstances uh, this person has gone through to cause them to believe or act or behave in the way that they believe, act, or are behaving, right? It's that real sense of curiosity, right? Regardless of what you were told, curiosity did not kill the cat, right? Uh, Curiosity is a fabulous uh, attitude or predisposition to have prior to going into any conversation. And if you can ask really honest, genuine questions about the other person and get them to tell you a story, right? It's really easy to argue with a position. It's really hard, if not impossible, to argue with a personal experience, right? So if I can ask you, you know, in your in your estimation, Mike, like what what has happened in your life? And I'm really interested in this. What what experiences have created this belief in you? Right. Can you give me an example of a life experience that has taught you the lesson? Right. Uh, that we're talking about. And and then and then I just listen to your personal story. I listen to the time that when you were a six year old boy, your dad did something or another or something or other. And, you know, I, I listen to the fact that you grew up in a household with a father who had, you know, all kinds of guns and ammunition. And you use those guns and ammunition to go shoot not only targets, but you went out and you hunted animals and you ate those animals for dinner. And it was like this whole lifestyle, you know, like that's why you believe what you believe about the Second Amendment. Right. I can't argue with that personal experience. Right. I can't argue that you're comfortable around guns and ammunitions because you were raised in a household that provided you the experience that guns and ammunition are fun. Right. And can sustain life. Right. And, and, and can be valuable contributors to a healthy diet. Right. There's nothing healthier than than wild game. Right. And if you're going to eat meat. So in any event. Right. Those are those are some of the, the um, you know, ways that you might kind of turn assumptions into curiosity. Right. It's taking the time to really be curious about the other person, be curious about their personal life experiences, and then pausing and allowing them to tell you those stories. And and then after you've heard that story, 
there's a rule called the 5% rule. And it goes something like, regardless of how much you disagree with that person, there's probably at least 5% of what they've just said that you can validate. Doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Doesn't mean that you have to change your own opinions and become a vegan or, you know, whatever, right? But there's probably 5% or so of what they've said that you can validate, that you can say, based on your experience, Mike, I can see how the world looks from your perspective, right? And that's okay that I don't see the world the same way. And so sitting in that sort of, you know, that discomfort of being different with the comfort of knowing that it's okay that we're different, um, that we can we can sort of, um, you know, live in a world where people have differences of opinions and perspectives, and that's okay. And if I'm curious about that, and I really want to understand you as a person, right, that can help get over the disagreements about policy or the disagreements about positions that we might have a conversation later. But I want to get to know Mike, the person. Oh, so insightful on and kind of what I'm going through in my life. And something big that I've discussed with you is just by quieting my mind has really given me a lot of clarity and even insight to looking at other people. And you're exactly right. If we will just ask, be more curious about what happened in someone else's life, maybe we'll have a little bit more understanding uh, to what's happening in their life and what's happening in our life. And so, uh, you know, listening, again, it was just so profound to me when I met you that I didn't, that it was just never taught to me. Is there anything that you can tell moms that, because <laughs> you know, moms are always there with their kids at home. Is there a program we can tell them to, you know, get your, how do you get kids to quiet their minds when they're, when they're young? No one ever taught me even how to quiet my mind. And I think that has to do with making poor listening too. If I'm always thinking in my head, uh, then we're not, we're not listening. So how do we do that? Yeah. I mean, in terms of quieting your mind, there, there's all kinds of really great, you know, mindfulness or mindful meditation kind of programs, even things as simple as the, the, um, 60 second breath, um, where you, you know, you breathe in for 20 seconds, hold it for 20 seconds and, and breathe out, uh, for 20 seconds, um, that, that can, you know, uh, very quickly, uh, create a kind of a more calming, um, state. Um, there's all kinds of phone apps. Um, there's, um, you know, non-sleep deep rest protocols. Uh, and then there, uh, are, you know, more intensive, um, you know, uh, again, mindfulness, you know, meditation kind of practices that, that people can put into you know, a rotation. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, listening to and, and, and dealing with, with children. I've got two kids of my own, and I certainly um, don't um, always act in ways that I know I should should act. So, I, you know, when I say these kind of things, I'm, I'm talking not only, you know, to others, but all, you know, giving advice to others, but giving advice to myself as well it is, you know, you know, kids are people, right? They, they have emotions and concerns and, um, you know, perspectives and beliefs and curiosities, uh, just like uh, adults have. Uh, and so, you know, part of part of parenting is entertaining those those curiosities and and those, um, you know, perspectives, um, you know, kids just like adults want to um 
you know, be be seen and heard and appreciated. Uh, everybody has a need to be accepted uh, for 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 who they are, for for um, uh, what they bring to the table. Uh, so when a kid is upset, you know, just like when we're upset, the last thing we want someone to tell us to do is to calm down. Kids are the same way. The last thing they want someone to do is to tell them to, to calm down. Right? Uh, rather, it's to get on their level and and you know uh, you know feedback and validate that what they're experiencing and feeling is okay. It's okay to be upset. It, it, it may not be okay to yell at mom, but it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. Right? All these things are okay. Um, and it, it's it, uh, we need to fix the behavior, right? So separating the person from the behavior, um, separating the sort of the the stable, you know, good, inherently acceptable individual from some behavior that you don't want them to engage in either in that moment or ever again, um, separating those two things and making sure you don't tell the kid they're a bad kid, but rather they've engaged in a behavior that you don't approve of and that that's not how we act in our family. That's not the kind of um, behavior we want to encourage um, in in this situation. Um, and again, it's it's not really that much different than what you ought to be doing with an adult. It's just in a smaller form. Right. Um, and, and the other thing, of course, is, is to understand that that, you know, kids are modeling what they're seeing. And so if you don't want your kid to be angry or frustrated or lash out, you should probably look at yourself. Right. Uh, and see what it is that you, how it is that you're acting or reacting to certain situations and, and where are they picking that up. Right. Chances are they're picking up some of that from how you react uh, to frustrations or moments of, of angst and, and trepidation, right? Um, and so some of that is kind of looking in the mirror, uh, you know, uh, if, if you, you know, go into uh, in the biblical, say, you know, take the, take the plank out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of the other person's eye, right? What is it that you can change in yourself before you try to change somebody else? And I think that whether we're talking about adults or, or, or children, um, interpersonal relationships and conversations, they're dynamic and they're dyadic. Uh, in other words, it takes two people to engage in a conversation. So I try as much as possible to ask myself, what am I doing? What, what behaviors am I enacting? And how is the other person, whether it's a kid or an adult, interpreting, regardless of my intention, Regardless of how I interpret how I'm acting, how is the other person interpreting that, right? And how can I change the way that I'm acting so that they interpret me in the ways that I want them to interpret me? And again, I say this to myself just as I say it to other people. It's a whole lot easier to say these things than it is to do these things. Uh, and so learning to listen well learning to modify and be mindful and all these things is a lifetime of practice. It's not something that you're going to listen to a 20, 30 minute podcast and all of a sudden check it off your list as something you're really good at. Um, it's, it's realizing that you have changes to make and then setting what we call smart 
goals um, in order to make those changes over the next two weeks, two months, two years, however long it takes to make those changes. It sounds like you know we're all on the same journey, but it's it's solve yourself, right? I mean, the answers are all within. Again, when our kids are acting up, we can a lot of times look in the mirror and see why they're acting up. And so just a little bit more awareness on what we're doing, how we're listening, how we're speaking, and how we're doing. But uh, just being aware of how we handle things in life, maybe that will make things a little bit better. But you have a website, Graham Bodies, it's G-R-A-H-A-M and then B-O-D-I-E dot com. Is there any other thing that they, or place they can go to uh, learn about you or contact you if they have listening or they want to go to school up to University of Mississippi to uh, take your class? But is there any other place that we can send them to, to learn about you? Because again, changed my life. And so, uh, and as you said, it is something you have to work on every single day. I mean, it's, it, I'm still not, I'm aware of listening, but I always catch myself thinking when people are talking or uh, interrupting and things like that. But uh, like I said, it's, uh, it definitely changed my life. So I would encourage anybody to, to read what you have, to learn what you're, you're do- doing, and definitely to uh, talk to anybody they know about just being better listeners for sure. So, uh, you have anything else that you want to say last or where we can uh, contact you? Yeah, the com is is, uh, is first and, you know, the first stop. Um, I think on that website, I'm pretty sure I updated it. I've got a, an online course that runs you through daily activities. Um, people can access that on, on the website. Um, and then if, if you are, um, you know, hired and sort of fed up or otherwise sort of, um, you know, uh, at a loss of what to do with all of the distrust and demeaning and demoralizing and toxicity, uh, particularly in the political sphere. I'd encourage people to go to Listen First Project, um, that website, listenfirstproject.org, um, and check out the, the resources there. Um, Listen First Project is the Backbone organization for a 500 plus organization coalition um, that uh, is trying to solve for toxic polarization. Uh, and there's all kinds of different programs and you know things that people can go to from webinars to full online um, free college courses. Um, UC Berkeley runs a series of, of college courses that people can sign up for. And so there's all kinds of resources that you can find through that uh, website as well. So I'd encourage people to go to listenfirstproject.org. One of the reasons I'm doing a lot of things that I do is because I just, I've been so blessed in my life with everything that's happened. And again, I got paid to take your course. And that's amazing to me. <laughs> I mean, I got two and a half years of one of the most, and I had a lot of college, believe me. I was in college for seven and a half years, and my favorite class I ever took was a listening course, uh, just because it's the one that stuck with me the most. And so uh, I really would encourage everybody to to go to grandbody.com and uh, to listen first project, uh, go to that as well. And let's get involved and let's listen more, because we have big problems uh, right now. They're not... You know, we can't overcome them. Of course, we can. We can. We can do anything. But I think it's going to start with listening uh, and solving ourselves, being more aware of ourselves and what we're doing, and uh, and maybe we can uh, 
get this uh, ship righted. But uh, again, Graham, I want to thank you. You're the first one on our on my podcast, uh, just because uh, I want to talk about some deep things uh, here. And the first place we're going to do is talk about listening, because uh, when they come in and see what we do, hopefully they learn that we're going to listen first. So, uh, and that's what you do. <laughs> So there you have it. So again, thanks a ton, Graham. I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for the opportunity, Mike. Thank you for listening to Everything Wine. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us grow by following us on your favorite podcast platform and sharing with your family and friends. To learn more about my work, go to capitalismtocause.com.